Ladies and gentlemen, it is your host, Henry Norman, and we are back. We're in the building. I mean, this is like, I don't want to say hollow land because that's Green Bay. I ain't going to steal that from them. Hollow, no, no, no. Green Bay is hollow land. That's real talk. That's going back to the days. We ain't, we ain't going to just reinvent history. We're going you know what I'm saying? But we, we definitely on some new ground. Yeah. This is, this is the first real dynasty, official official. People yeah. have done some things in the past, but we're in the real dynasty space. We're here at Gillette Stadium. I'm saying, what a phenomenal standout, Mister. Growing up with the name Bentley, did that like make you want one? Yeah, I mean, especially growing up, young kids. That's all you know. Juwan you hear, Bentley. You they call Bentley. you that? Yeah, they, most of the people only call me Bentley. Growing up, they would call me Bentley, and then the next question is, "You got a Bentley? You got one? Fall did you ever one. get one? Nah, nah, it's still, still on, still on the bucket list, but one thing at a time. You know? One thing at a time. Yeah. So you grew up in Maryland? Yeah, PG County to be exact. Not to be confused with Baltimore City. Not to be confused with Baltimore, and that's no shade to Baltimore. Nah, you from where you from? Yeah, they would say the same thing. He ain't from. He ain't from. He from the county. He from PG County. I used to watch. I used to watch The Wire, and they used to always say the county. Mm -hmm. And then dudes would say the city. Are we going down to the county? That's y'all. Shocking the most. I just seen uh, The Wire not too long ago. You alright? I know. I know. (laughs) How you not watch The Wire? Working through it. We working through it. Dude, that's like one of the best TV shows ever made. I know. I know. I mean, everybody told me that growing up too, especially when the uh, when the other young kids would watch it. They'd be like, "Hey, man, you seen the Wire episode? When so and so did this?" You just nod your head. You can like, watch it on YouTube. Yeah, you could. Especially you just the, you watch the, clip, the clips. The main clips. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I do is watch clips now. I have watched the whole five seasons. I just watch clips. I need still. to go back. I need. There's some scenes I got to go back to too, because people still talk about it. So from PG County, what was it like growing up in PG County? Uh, fun. I mean, especially being a young kid. Uh, that was the times we was always outside. You always try to find something to seek? do outside. Did you make the hide and go seek era? Hide and go seek, yeah. I mean, especially at church. I grew up in the church too. So right when church would let out, you know, your grandparents stay there a little bit longer than the service kind of. You gotta goes. go out back. You going outside and you playing most of the time. It was hide and go seek, playing tag, yeah. all those kind of games just to occupy the time. So yeah, PG County, um, real culture. I would say the culture was kind of. It was different all the time. I would say it always adapt, even the lingo. Uh, Certain words that we used back then, we don't use anymore. It kind of just evolved over time. Right. Some of it was New York slang that kind of bled over to the New York. DMV. New York's been bleeding everything. Yeah. So even the Tims, like we started rocking the Tims, but we switched it over to Nike boots. So that's kind <laughs> of a the DMV staple. Okay. Yeah. Now, we went DMV now. I remember before DMV. Oh, what was it before? It was just no. It was just DC oh. didn't claim y'all. DC didn't merge. See, that's a Baltimore thing. The DMV. DC mm. dudes is just like we oh, DC. Put me on something. I know oh, that. DC dudes never called it DMV. That came later. That just became like the branding. It sounds good. It sounds good because even it, it's not even the entire Virginia. The I, I was yeah, I was in the feds locked up in the eighties, and I was with a lot of DC dudes. I never heard them say DMV. They probably didn't like it. No, <laughs> they probably the like, DC yeah, that, that dudes and the, and the Maryland dudes always be like not at odds, but it was yeah. like too close. It, it is it is different, especially when you when you from there. Like you know when you enter DC. Yeah, and you know when you when you. It's like your Jersey dudes and the Newark dudes and the New York dudes. Yeah, too close. Ex- almost exactly like that. Too yeah. close. So you kind of you know you know where that. You that know where that line's is. at. Yeah, you're getting close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, after church. Um. After church, I mean, I, I would say I went to a, a private Christian school, Nanny Helen Burroughs Elementary School. Uh, <laughs> learned a lot there, but then quickly segue to Drew Freeman Middle School, which is where Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant went, there, went to school there, yeah. And then we was right next door to Suitland High School where Navarro Bowman 
uh, linebacker for the 49ers went to school. So we was uh, literally a fence. So we'll we'll be out of school at 4 o'clock. They'll be out of school at 3 o'clock. Most of the times if we had a little back and forth, they'll be waiting on us right when See we got out of school. Exactly. So there was a lot going they on They literally there. say, meet me at the fence. It, that, that was a fence. That's exactly what they said. So we were trying to, like, beat the bus there. So, I mean, sometimes you ran into – you ran into the little high school bullies and everything like that, but I felt like back in the day that kind of built a little bit of character. Oh no, no. That's so what I mean, told myself. You coming in here like six two, two forty, whatever it is, yeah. you was getting bullied back in back in the days? I've always kind of been this big though. Like so five ten. I was probably I was probably five ten. So this size shorter. Five ten, two forty in middle school. And people was picking at you still. Oh yeah, they, they, nobody. They didn't care no about mercy. that. Yeah, they didn't care about that. Back then, people cared about your age. Back then, it was like, "Oh, you fourteen? Oh, I got something for you." Or it's like, "Oh, you you twelve? Oh, you a big twelve? Okay, I see you." Mental manipulation. Yeah, but I always had older cousins too. That kind of, um, I would probably fight my cousins more than anything. You <laughs> always be, fight the people you know. Right, because my mom used to tell me, "Well, you you should know he ain't gonna hurt you too bad, but you learn a little something. That's, that's something. That's something. That, that was mom. <laughs> that was mom. Yeah. So it's so at least you ready for what scripture did that come out of? <laughs> you know, you know how it is. Sometimes, sometimes, like I would say, mom pushed the envelope just to make sure you're ready and you're not surprised if that moment happens. So your mom from down south. That's some down south teaching. Oh, my my, my family kind of originates in the Georgia area, and somehow they didn't really break that that story down to me. We ended up. In PG County, but a lot of the, a lot of things like I would say like she would just make sure I was well protected. Like I wasn't shocked if something was to happen. I was always prepared for anything. So whether it be dealing with a bully or something like that, like she wanted to make sure like her son ain't out in school getting pushed around. So and I feel Better like let your cousins beat you up than some stranger. Right. So and even then we'll be arguing about two K, uh, <laughs> fighting about Madden, something like that. Like little stuff kids that kids argue about. Now you get to high school. Things mm-hmm. changed a little bit. Uh, yeah, Dematha, Dematha High School, uh, Dematha Catholic High School. Um, first of all, I got to Dematha by playing boys and girls club for um, the KLM Cougars, which is yep. a PG. You, you went team. to the boys and girls club? Yeah, I had to play. Who paid for that? Because we couldn't get the boys and girls club where I came from. It was five dollars. Wait, we we had to pay. I would say, granted, I ain't paid. I was young. Um, it's probably like fifty dollars. You just paying it went for up. The, you just paying for the equipment. Oh, not me. For the mo- and you can have the little fundraisers. We'll put selling cookies every now and then, uh, or candy, to come up with the funds. There was we just we stand outside. We got to go to the um we got to go to the boys club in the summertime, cause use the pool. It was like the city thing. They made us. They made them let us use the pool in the summertime. Oh, see, I already had the spot kind of on lock. It was a it was a city pool, and they built the boys club on top of it. And one of the deals was you got to let the city kids use the pool in the summertime. Okay. All right. All right. So it was kind of like okay. All right, I get that. But this, I would say, our boys and girls club, we only play football. We didn't even talk about no other, like pools and stuff like that. The boys and girls club only came up when we would go to the field. Can you swim? And play football. Yeah, my mom used to put me in swim lessons as a kid. Everything. She got you covered. It was mainly because after school, like you wanted to give, keep keep me busy. I did gymnastics for a stint, uh, <laughs> swim lessons, uh, took karate for like two weeks. A whole two weeks? Two weeks. Sound like my kid. I got golf clubs. I got taekwondo gi. I got fencing gear. I got I got dance equipment. I got musical equipment. I <laughs> got all kinds of stuff in my basement. <laughs> Ready for anything. But the two weeks, two weeks in karate, like take that with a grain of salt. I learned probably mm-hmm. didn't learn that much. Gotcha. White belt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you come in at white belt. Came in at white belt and, and stayed, went out of white I stayed belt. right there. Yeah, but the, uh, the Matha, um played for KLM. Uh, I honestly didn't want to play football in the beginning. Uh, 
I would say I started playing because my little brother, who's five years younger than me, he wanted to play flag football. At this time, I'm probably about, uh, I would say 12. Um, and then he was he started playing flag. I didn't know about it. I was staying at You had to go out with him. Yeah, but I avoided that for a minute. I tried to find something to do. So he'll be going to flag football practice, and I'll be like, oh, I'm going to so-and-so's house. I'm about to go kick it, about to play the game a little bit. Your mom just, was like, your mom kicking? Just kick to it? avoid it. So that, that lasted for probably about two weeks, and then one day he was going to practice, and my mom was like, Jamal, you coming? And I was like, um, I got to go. You really? She said, you really not going to go to none of your brother's practice? And I was like, when you say it like that, it sounds, sounds it bad. Sa- yeah, it sounds crazy. So I was like, all right, I'll go. My biggest fear was that I would go up to the field and then the coaches would spot my size and they'll be like, you got to be doing something. That was the thing back in the day. They said, you got to be doing something. Who you play for? And then I'll go to the field. And then that day, that particular day, I went to the field. And then my older cousin went with me. He was kind of the, you would never see me without him or him right. without me. We was always just together all the time. And he was one of the guys that was kind of good at anything that he wanted to do, whether it be soccer, weightlifting, basketball, uh, boxing, anything he wanted to do. He, he just natural happened, athlete. To be, happened to be nice at it. Me, wasn't trying to do that. I was at home eating Hot Pockets, <laughs> playing 2K, Madden. That was a perfect day for me. So I would go, went to my brother's practice. My cousin went with me. And then I don't know what he disappears while we watching the practice. And I'm like, man, please tell me he ain't walk over there to them coaches. So he walks over there with uh, the unlimited team, uh, which is like, so you after you class out of the whole pound right. league, you got to play unlimited. So he goes over there and he comes back and he already know how I feel about it. So he's like, Jawan, so they said you ain't even got to play. They said, you could just put the uniform on and stand in the back. <laughs> and I was like, nah. I was like, this sounds great. That was this a weak sell. That was yeah, a weak I'm sell. Like, Yo, this sounds crazy. So he let me put the uniform on. Oh, you went for it, though. I went for it. Because your cousin told you to. Because my cousin, I'm doing whatever he do. So I went over there, put the uniform on, and I stood behind. They had big D-line coach. Shout out to Coach Fox. I stood, I stood behind him the entire practice. I'm talking like I would go like this to see the drill that they was doing, and then I'll go back behind them just to make sure they ain't put me in. Like, wanted no parts of football. And then eventually, we kept going out there a few times, so then I would kind of ease ease from behind them a little bit every now and then. And then one day, somebody got hurt, and I was the next on the depth chart. What was your apprehension of playing football? Uh, I think I had a fear of not being good at it. I had a fear of uh, not uh, being good at everything that I do. Like, I hate that competitiveness in me. How great were you at 2K? Uh, I was nice. You, I mean, you couldn't tell me that I wasn't nice at 2K. <laughs> Especially at that time, I was a real competitor. I was like, I said, me and my cousin would fight if I was to lose the game in 2K. Like, that's how intense it would get. But I didn't think that was – I took that as, all right, me and my cousin always fighting. Yeah, so your world was kind of small at the time. Right. Didn't even have my expectation level on just uh, what I thought being competitive was. It never went as farther than 2K. So now I'm actually in football equipment at a whole different level of competitiveness. So that was that was new for me. So how was your first crazy. experience on the field? Uh, first injury. So I, I wasn't out that <laughs> long. <laughs> wasn't out that long. You went out there and got injured right off the rip? Had a game plan. Young kid that I thought I was wise. <laughs> I was a good thinker. So as soon as they put me on the field, I was like, all right, what's the quickest way I can get off this field? And I was like, 
Fake an injury. Uh, let's just see what happens. So the first play, I happened to be right in the path of the running back. Make the tackle. And I was like, yep, we're going to go ahead and call it right here. I felt some pressure on my hand. Lay right there. You would have thought, you would have thought I, I was like, your leg off. man. You I, had some hand? You hurt your hand? Laying there motionless. Motionless on the ground. <laughs> and I could just look to the side and I could see the coach running out there. And I'm like, y'all hurry up. Hurry up. He was get like, the stretcher. He said, what happened? I was like, I think somebody stepped on my hand. He said, boy, get up. <laughs> get up off the ground. <laughs> and I ran to the side. And then that year, you kind of talked up that whole year. They was like, yeah, we can't put him out there. He ain't ready. But then I would see my cousin play quarterback and one of our friends play wide receiver. And I would just see after the game how much love, the love they would get after the game. Super attention. Especially playing quarterback and receiver. You see the kind of love they was getting. I was like, damn, I kind of I kinda want to – I like that. I kind of want to experience what that's even like. But at that time, it felt like so far away. I was like, I have so much farther to go to even get – even play a position that gets that kind of acknowledgement. So I just knew I had a whole lot of work to do. And it's like, all right, Juwan, if you're going to be doing this, at least be nice at it. So the I want to be the best kicked in. Yeah, that uh, probably not even then. It was more so like, um, what do you really want to do? Is this what you really want to do? And if not, what's going to take its place? Because at the same time, I wanted to spend time with my cousin or kind of keep doing the whole attached to the hip thing. But at the rate that I was at, he about to keep going, and I'm getting ready to stay exactly where I'm at playing 2K, and I'm about to just get left behind. So I was like – Juwan, you need to figure something out. So I started watching. Uh, that's when I would I would say the the on demand thing used to kind of start it, and you could record on the TV. So I started recording games, just like random games. Every Sunday, I record like eight games, and I would just sit there. Uh, my parents used to talk about it all the time. I used to sit there, and I'll sit in my dad's reclining chair. He used to hate when I sat in his chair, but I used to sit there and watch the game on a loop. Over and over again. Sometimes. And what were you studying? Uh, at that time, for Madden. At that time, it was for Madden, but it was the the clothes that they wore. So the swag on the field. I would Hold kinda, on, no. you watched hours of tape to see some clothes. Yeah. So why any, you have to loop it though? So look, anytime, anytime you play Madden, they give you the generic style of clothes that they wore. Let me wore. stop. My son called me one time, said he needed eighty dollars for some clothes. Yeah. I sent it to him. Then I said, where's the, where's the stuff you bought? Send me a picture. No, he's no. like, what do you mean? I said, he said, no, I bought it for my my, 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 my people. I said, yeah. what are you talking about? I'm buying clothes for your people. What people you got? You ain't got no brothers and sisters. Where these people at? He spent $80 <laughs> on clothes for his video game people. I know that blew your mind. I was like, dude. So you got I, nothing. You spent $80 <laughs> to buy a green shirt for a video game character because you didn't like the blue shirt he came in. Right. He's like, yeah, he had to be Edric. I'm like, I played video games, ColecoVision, Shout to Atari, 2600. Mm-hmm. You got what you got. Right. And it came with two controllers for the record. But um, he was literally buying clothes for his video game character. So I know what you're talking about. I got, I, I lost it that day. I know you did. Cause my, my dad, used to, I used to waste paper. I used to write it down. So I, I Write would, it down and then spend his money. I would sit in his recliner chair, get his paper, his printing paper, and I will sit there in the chair and try to see what they wore. So if somebody wore a white wristband, I'll write it down, white wristband on a piece of paper. And then I'll go back later on that night, go to Madden, switch it to white, white wristband. This is the first time I'm telling this, too. So, like, so it you, you watch football to get the swag mm-hmm. to make your Madden people look better. Yes. Did they play better? 
Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I was that nice. At that time, I was playing an all-pro. I wasn't even risking it and playing all Madden. But at this point, I'm watching it, looking at the swag, but I'm not knowing that you're learning football. That I'm learning football as I do it. And then as I watch, I remember watching uh, – I wanted to change my position because I wanted to get nicer football. So I was like, I actually want to handle the ball. So I was like, all right, what it would what it be like if you play running back? And I was like, all right, Juwan. At this point, I'm like 5'10", 230 around this time. Yeah. 230. And I'm like, all right, Juwan, you got to keep it a little bit more realistic. How about fullback? So I was like, all right, I could play fullback. So I used to watch the Ravens and watch uh, LaRon McClain. He was a fullback that used to play for the Ravens. And I was like, oh, I could do that. He played a little bit of running back, and he played some fullback. I was like, I want to be like that. So I used to watch a bunch of his film, and then turns out the Ravens used to play the Patriots so much. Of course. That I would be watching a lot of Patriots film back in the Brewski, Vrabel area. So like, so now some of my teammates out, they'll be talking about certain players, and then they'll be like, yo, how do you know who Mike Wright is? How do you know who Pryor is who played in D-line? Shout out to number 91, rest in peace. Um, like guys like that, Junior Seau, and I'll be like, yo, you wouldn't believe how much time I just sit in front of the TV and watch just them. watching. And I would just be soaking up all this knowledge, and then that kind of like escalated. Then you actually watched them on Madden, too. Watched them on Madden, too. You got the same names. I went through every single roster and did that. So not even just you, like, Hold up. <laughs> you might be the first two in the NFL – they study the whole game from Madden. I can name you every – I can name you the probably the starters on each NFL team in 07. That, was Michael Vick on the cover that year? No, who not in 07. I'm not even sure who was on the cover of the 07, but I can name you every the starter. starters. Like the line – all the way down oh. to the offensive linemen of like the Philadelphia – back in that's, the Trey no, Thomas no. Philadelphia Eagles days. That's a skill. Yeah. That's, that's a gift that you didn't even realize. No. That applied in the transfer. Mm-hmm. So, I, I know a lot of guys who are gifted. I met them in the penitentiary, and they took their gifts to the street. Why don't you ever take yours to the street? PG County is not front all the time. Yeah, I would say uh, my family did a good job of keeping me out of that. Like, even when I got close to, like, the streets and all that kind of stuff, they were like, boy, get in the house. Like, I wasn't even allowed to be in that. It's like, what, you crazy? Get in the house. Your mama going to kill Get Get in the house. And then I was like, man, y'all don't let me do nothing. And then I'll go in the house. And then I just, I rather, I would just, I just sit in front of the TV. And that's, I would spend hours. Like it was I, some days I get that. I, I spent I like live four in front five of the TV. hours. So it would be like, I was like, all right, if I can't go out there with y'all, I guess I'll be sitting here watching football. So when you finished high school, I saw that you was going to college. Yeah. Michigan and Iowa. Yeah. So actually Maryland and Iowa. Maryland and Iowa. So it started off with uh, Maryland was actually my first offer. And Staying at that home. time, yeah, the stay home movement that was a big thing in uh, in the DMV, especially at that at that point, because a lot of the, a lot of the guys were going to different schools that was kind of out of the state. And then at that time, Merlin was kind of struggling, so they was like, "We need to start a stay home movement so we keep all the players in house." And at that uh, at that time, I was kind of just venturing out, and I kind of wanted to see what it was like, because I I mean I spent my years at KLM, ended up being nice at running back. Uh, end up getting looks from Dematha, and I end up getting recruited by them to go there. And then freshman year, uh, wanted to play varsity, saw that I wasn't ready. So I was like, go ahead, we're going to chalk that up uh, and just play on the freshman team. And we had a monster freshman team. We had 105 players try out for our freshman football team at Dematha, and they didn't, they didn't believe in cutting anybody. 
because <laughs> it was like a, I don't even know if this is true, but there was like a a rumor that would go around. They were like, yeah, you know, back in the day, they used, they cut Brian Westbrook. Brian Westbrook went to the math. They cut Brian Westbrook, and then he ended up being Brian Westbrook. So they came so everybody. Not, so they made two teams, the red team and the blue team. Makes sense to me. Yeah, so the two D tackle, I played D tackle my freshman year of high school. Me and Orlando Brown, who was like, uh, he just got signed to the Bengals. Shout right. out to Orlando. Um, we were the two D tackles. So me and him, we end up being D tackles. We went through that whole season, and then we kind of uh, he transferred, and then I stayed at Dematha, and then I would say uh, my junior year became a captain there. Uh, junior year we lost in the championship, but then my senior year was kind of like the all right if you're gonna do anything, the time is now. The clock is ticking. So, and that's when everybody was kind of looking at the offers. That's when you had had to have your huddle, your huddle account had to be on point, your highlight tape. And all that kind of stuff. If it wasn't, it wasn't looking too good for you. So but Maryland and Iowa reached out. Maryland and Iowa reached out. Uh, pretty much every Big Ten school reached out. I remember I did a. Um, I remember Kirby Smart came to Dematha um, my junior year, and I'm in the hallway. So I'm like, I'm in Dematha. You had to dress up. So we in polos and like slacks and khakis yeah. and uh, dirty. We call them dirty bucks. The little buck shoes, like dress shoes. So he's like, let me see you run down, run down. And we in the hallway. Let me see you run down the back real quick. I was like, all right, ran down the back. Full sweat in the polo shirt. <laughs> but something like that, he invited me to the camp. But I, I was like, all right, I get to go to Alabama. And at this point, I was kind of watching Dante Hightower yeah. at the time. So And then I started trying, trying to model my game after his. And he became kind of the benchmark Avatar. of what I was looking for. I was like, yeah, if I could – somehow get to that kind of play like just him watching him manhandle guys on the field I was like I got to be something something like that oh I got to take something from his game so uh as that went on I accumulated some offers Maryland jumped in the picture uh as my first offers and then they just started kind of rolling I was having a good senior season uh and then I was kind of waiting to see where I wanted to go and I guess I waited too late so <laughs> I was ready you didn't to, sign any of them? No. So I was ready to commit. I was like, all right, I think I'm ready to, to make this decision. What were you going to pick? I was going to pick Maryland. And then what happened when you called them? Called. Uh, I was like, hey, coach, how you doing? I'm like trying to keep the keep the vibes high. I was like, coach, how you doing? He was like, I'm all good. I was like, hey, I think I'm, think I'm ready to commit. And he was like, oh, man, I love it. I love it. I love it. But uh, we already had somebody to Commit in the slot that you was gonna be in, and then I was like, "Oh man!" I was like, "All right, that's cool." But in my head, I'm like, "All right, you just made my decision easy." I call Iowa. Now I'm going to Iowa, so I already start picturing it. Call Iowa right after. Hey, that. coach. What's up, coach? How you doing? Your day going good? Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, "What's up, man? How you doing? We was just we was just uh, about to reach out to you." And I was like, "All right, cool." I was like, "Wait, I'm ready well, to commit. I'm ready to commit right now." He was like, "Oh man, that's nice, man. That's nice." I, but we just had somebody commit in the slot that you was in, and you you more than welcome to play DN. But the linebacker slot's gone, so uh, we're kind of we're kind of moved on. And I was like crushed. So from that point, I was crying in my room. I was crying in my room, and I don't even that at that moment I wasn't even showing emotions and stuff like that, especially about no football at the time. But at that moment, stuff got real. I was like, all right, now that you went from having. 10 to 12 offers 
Say to none. You, you got two slams on you. You scared to call somebody else? None. I hung up the phone. I ain't even picking up the phone no more. So I'm like, all right, I don't even know. We had probably four games left of the season. So I'm like, all right, Joe, I didn't tell anybody. Only my parents knew. Uh, so I'm kind of just operating as if I got those two offers, and I'm just waiting. We would go to lunch, and we always talked ball at lunch. Uh, and I would just get quiet, wouldn't say anything. Um, because I, I was the captain of the team, so it was like, dang, that looks crazy. The captain of the team ain't no even. offers. No, you had offers. How did Crash Nation had offers, procrastinated, gone. Uh, so then I'm just kind of sitting there. I mean, obviously, when I'm alone, deep in thought, like, what's next? How you gonna How you gonna move forward? Out of nowhere, um, Elijah Brooks, who's the head coach at Demath at the time, he's now at Virginia Tech as a running back coach. Uh, he reached out and was like, "Hey, man, uh, Purdue." Purdue just called, uh, they're looking to offer you. And I was like, man, I'm down bad. I was like, right now. Where is Purdue? <laughs> I was like, is that is that in I was, it's in Indiana? Like, he said, it's in Indiana. I was like, man, I gotta go to Indiana. And I was like, all right, I'm sure if they jumped in, somebody else gonna jump in for sure. Now you're playing again. Right. You so went right now, back to playing again. Exactly. Just just like that. But at that moment, I would say, even when I lost the offer from uh Maryland to Iowa, I'm Grew up in the church, so off rip, I'm like, oh yeah, I gotta pray. If I'm sitting in this room crying right now, oh yeah, it's something. It's something that's bigger than me right now. I, I gotta, I gotta reach out to somebody. And me growing up, that's the only way I, I knew how to respond to certain situations. You remember the prayer you said? Uh, not verbatim, but it, it's always along the lines of, God, I don't know what you got planned for me, but I know you ain't never let me down before. So whatever you, whatever you got going, I'm with it. Then he sends you Purdue, and you procrastinate again. Then he sent me Purdue, and I was like, God, you funny. <laughs> I was like, man, you funny. You got jokes. I was like, but at this point, I was kind of just oblivious to what uh, Purdue was, uh, just because at, at that moment, you kind of just looking at all the big-time spots. At, that, at this moment, we had 22 guys at the math committing D1. Um, so we had a big committing class. So Purdue jumps in the picture. In my downtime, I would just do research and just look up Purdue. And off rip, you see Drew Brees, Rob Ninkovich, Matt Light, Aiken Adele. And I'm like, okay, they got some names. And I see kind of, I look at the field and I just start picturing myself there. And then I'm big on like tradition and like the kind of smash mouth kind of Big Ten vibe with the grass on the field, grass slash mud on the field. And I'm like, okay, I can make, I can make this work. So I was like, all right, I just got to. Did Jeff George go there? Uh, City? Who? Jeff George, quarterback. He probably did, but I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I ain't really all we that. We have to go to history books. I ain't all that well versed. I used to be a bookie, so okay. I used to know every football player, every high school, every college down the line back in the '80s. I could tell you where everybody went. Oh, so you this. like me? Yeah. Okay. Are we more alike than different? Okay. I see. So, I just remember him going to Purdue. I could be wrong. Yeah. So I was just like. I know Big Dog Glenn Robinson went there. What's crazy is that his son was my roommate in college. Glenn the third. Yep. Jalen. Shout out to Jalen. Uh, his brother Glenn. Uh, he would come visit us all the time. At the time, he was playing in Michigan. Yeah. So it was always cool uh, seeing him. But uh, I took the visit. When I took the visit to Purdue, uh, freezing. It's probably, probably 10 degrees. Now, I never even left Maryland before this time. Obviously, you take little family vacations here and there, but you there for a hot second and you, you and damn you're going about your way. Yeah. Then you remember. Yeah, so we take a full trip to Indiana, me, my mom, and my godmother, freezing cold, and I'm like, I, I see the field, the picture, you know how, how they make the picture look sometimes. It's kind of like the, the Big Mac. 
I, the Big Mac look shining and everything. Until you and get then you there. get there, and you're like, oh, man, we got, all right. When, when I'm done, though, it's going to look like something. Like, I was just picturing, I kept picturing myself there. I was like, when you do this, it's going to, this is, this is the spot. I always felt it. So I committed on my visit. And that was like, that was huge for me. One, because I didn't have to think about it no more. I was like, all right, now I can focus. Now I could hone back in like I was at DeMatha. I would lock in, and then I had my goal in sight, and I would just shoot for it. And now I got to finally commit and get that kind of the monkey off my back and just, like, focus, lock in. And like, all right, now you're here. But so, you did three years of captain at Purdue. Mm-hmm. What did it teach you? I'm, football stuff we know. Three years of captain at Purdue, what did you learn? Uh, well, they selected me as a captain when I was 18. How did that feel? Uh, at that moment, it was kind of intimidating just because uh, I felt the build up to it. Now, I was always just being myself at all times. So, me being myself is kind of like, all right, the team's kind of down. How can I? You're an energy I, guy. Yeah, big energy guy. And I'm just, I would say, authentic in that way. Like, if something needs to be said, I don't like an elephant in the room and nobody's saying anything. It's like, yo, we need to say something. I'm going to be the one to say it. I don't even care. And then it turns out that people kind of took it made you cap. So how did it feel to, to be captain for three years? Uh, I was like, yeah, it's some of the guys, you know, fifth-year seniors. So dude's like 23. I'm like, are oh, you selected an 18-year-old as a captain? He's like, I don't know what you see in me. So then I would start asking around. I was like, yo, so what do you what do you do as a captain? And they're like, bro, just be yourself. That's why we, we chose you because you're yourself. And then do that and just take it up a notch if you can. So I took that and kind of um, – Ran with it. Uh, I would say it put me in rooms that I d- didn't necessarily think that I was ready for. And at that time, I was still fighting leadership, if that makes any sense. Right. You wanted to be free, not responsible. I wanted Leadership to, comes with accountability. It do. I wanted to be the guy that all my other teammates was. They used to come, be able to come to practice, Roll do out. that thing, leave. I was like, yo, why can't I would be a heck of a player if I could do that? If I could just show up? kill the workout or dominate the game and go home not have to say anything to nobody I was like I feel like I could do that but it wasn't my calling so on the back end of having to do that for three years what was the best part of having to do it um now that you've done hmm. and what what did you get out of it it made me stand in what I was saying so a lot of the times I would speak uh and people would kind of be like where you get that from like everything you say kind of be on point so where, where you get that from? What you be watching? You watching Ray Lewis? Which who you be who you be watching? And I was like, bro, I just say what I feel like I need to hear. Sometimes I'll just get in the huddle. Like even in, in high school, I would be talking. I would be doing the same thing in the middle of the huddle, saying stuff. At that time, I was uh, me and my family was bouncing from home to home, and people didn't even know what I what my family was. What going do you mean through. bouncing from home to home? Uh, we were homeless. So when I was in before. While while I was in high school, we lost our house. Uh, my dad sadly got got laid off, and uh, life just happens, and then we had to move out. So then we were bouncing around from. Let me hold on. Yeah. So it's you, mom, dad. How many brothers? Me, mom, dad, little brother. And he loses his job, mm-hmm. so you can't pay the mortgage. Mm-hmm. Then they foreclose on the house. Yes. And they come up, put the thing on the door, tell you, yeah, I gotta go. Yep. And at that point, I was kind of like. My mom wouldn't want to hide stuff from us, so we would kind of see. We would kind of see. So where did you go? I mean, they pull up. We would bounce from. We would go to grandma's house one time, and then we'll go to my grandma's house on the other side of the family another time. We'll go to aunt's house here, 
uh, so, we'll go somewhere else. Some, the whole time through high school, you bouncing around house to house. Yeah, after my after my freshman year, that's pretty much that was pretty much the the uh, the path. So, path how do you that. feel not having a house? I mean, you go to school, everybody has stuff. They're going home. Mm-hmm. You really can't invite people mm-hmm. over. Mm-hmm. You're the guy always going over. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying. So, how does it feel not to have a house? Well, you're uh, old, even though you stay with fam, but yeah. it's not your room. I really didn't know how to feel at the time. At that time, I didn't know how to feel just because even my, when we had the house, we would have parties. All we was always the house that people would come to, uh, just to like relax and just after a long week of work, we would have uh, family over just to kick it, things like that. And then when life happens, just like that, gone, oh. gone. So then you just like, all right, what's next? So then you stay in that grandma's house one day, and then it would get awkward sometimes it's just, as a young kid you're just trying to learn how to speak up so you'll be laying on the couch sleeping on the couch one day uh and it was really when you're having family events and somebody's like so it's kind of funny somebody be sleeping laying, sitting on this basically your bed <laughs> so you sitting on the couch you like yeah hey, i can't wait till they go home so i can finally <laughs> lay down <laughs> and then they finally leave and you finally get to lay down wherever you're gonna so it was it was a it was different especially for a young a young kid so i would bring that with me to the field and then in the middle of huddles they'd be like yo you just said a powerful message right there where did that come from and i'm like bro i just tell you how i'm feeling and i tell you what i need to hear so it will always be along the lines of you never know when your last play is going to be you never know when life just happens now I'm saying it's the high school kids. Yeah, so you, they they sitting there like, what are you talking about, bro? Whatever you said was powerful, but man, we don't know what you talking about. You coming too deep. Yeah, but I was experiencing. I was experiencing things that was well beyond my years. Like some things that, and so most of the times, kids weren't able to explain that or put it into words what was happening. I had the gift of being able to explain what I was going through in a way where everybody's able. But to everybody got it. to stay together for the four years. Everybody got to stay. Everybody got to stay together. So when you go away to college, are they still homeless? They were staying in my aunt's house at the time. So yes. So um, I would be away at college, and obviously, I you, at that time you getting like stipends and things, so you yeah. always shoot that back to moms and make sure everybody was good, and we would talk every now. So and you're then. sending your college stipends home? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was pretty much the thing, and that was, and I, that felt like normal for me anyway. I mean, I, I get it. You're yeah. supposed to look out, but it's like you're probably the only kid sending home their stipend money. To pay rent, maybe, yeah. So it was, it was different. It was, but you really can't even. Not saying you can't come home, mm-hmm. but you really got no home to come home to from college. So you just stayed on campus a lot. Yeah. So you'll go a lot of times. People will go home. I'll, I'll stay. I'll stay at school. Granted, at that point, I was like a gym rat, but I felt like I kind of had to be, because as, as long as my family was going through what they was, what we was going through, I was like, hey, you can't just be going home chilling. Like I always felt like my mission was just different. I always felt like everybody's given a journey. And it's like, hey man, you can't complain about the journey. Everybody got their own journey. You was just placed in that spot. And it's like, what you gonna do with it from here? So when you got to you got to school, it was football. You was going to NFL. It was NFL, and I don't know what the plan is after this. Yeah, it so was we, like we all out. You you in your mind, you're like every practice, every drill is I'm going to the league. In my head, this is happening. So yeah. it's like, are you gonna be ready when you get there? That's that was my that was my mindset. What does 143 mean to you? Uh. My pick, third day, third day pick. One forty, they they called your name out. Yeah, wasn't even wasn't even expecting my name to be called uh, before at the beginning before the draft started. I would say I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, Some would say I probably wasn't gonna get drafted. So I was like, all right, we're just gonna see. I done seen God move before. 
Let's see what happens. Let's see what he does this time. He always keeps the story interesting. So who knows how long I'll be sitting here. So uh, don't I invite no fam over for the first day. Uh, second day, I'm in and out of the house. Probably went to see a movie or something like that, trying to kill time. Third day. Who called you? Uh, nobody called. Nobody called at that moment. Third day. Uh, I mean, when the Patriots call comes. Patriots. Who, who's physically on the phone? Oh, Robert. Robert Kraft. Oh, the boss boss called you. Boss man. So <laughs> that ha- that happens, and I would say even when I was like taking when I was taking the visits to teams, um, I came here, and like I said, I, the minute I came here, I thought back to me sitting in that recliner chair, watching all those games with like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady coming down to crunch time. Uh, game winning touchdown. My my mind just instantly. I'm like, yo, look where you at right now. This is this is real. This is what you've been thinking about the whole. This is why you sat in that chair, wasting on your dad's paper in his recliner. This is now you're here. So everything I would just see, and I was like, damn, that's just like Madden. That state, that field, just like Madden. <laughs> I was like, it's crazy. So I would be. I came in for the visit, and then when I when I left, I was like, oh, if I don't come here, it's gonna be weird if I go anywhere else. But I was like. I'm gonna see how it go, how it plays out because I've seen crazy things happen. So I'm like, all right, just go home and just just see how it goes. So the draft is going, and then I look, I just, my head's down for most of the draft because I'm like watching all these guys get drafted ahead of me. Some of them I know, so I'm like, all right, cool. And you know, some of them you kind of giving a side eye. You like, man, he ain't better than me. Like, this is how you how you right. talk. So I'm like, I watch and I pick my head up and I see New England on the board and I'm like, it's my hey. time. I say, hey God. That's a fine spot. I was like, that's a fine spot. And I'm he's, literally he's saying, he's calling this. I'm saying this in my head. I'm like, hey, if I'm going to get drafted, this one had to be right now then the to phone this ringing. team. And I looked down. My phone's on the ground. Phone's ringing. And I was like, yo, I called it. And then I pick up. We had a conversation, and I leave. And I'm like, yo, I, at that point, I'm like, oh, man, I got drafted. But immediately, I'm like, all right, now we're back to work. And they call, oh, they, call, they work. called your name? Oh, what's crazy is that somebody I got drafted ahead of me. So, you know, in the third round, they kind of showing commercials. So they, they called you in a commercial? Man. Nah. They, they did that to you? They talking about commercials, and all you see is my name go against go at the bottom. And probably using using a ticker. 20 minutes after I get drafted, then they pull up the, the TV screen. So I'm kind of like, they, all right, y'all lucky I'm excited right now <laughs> because I would be mad. Hold I would on, hold be on. mad. You didn't see it come on like yo, and with the hundred and forty third pick, because they and call. NFL draft we. Nah, I didn't get. I didn't get that. I was like, you know something? It made you work harder. <laughs> it did, and I at that at that point, it wasn't even obviously like the family. You kind of like you hugging everybody, you crying. You know, but it's not. You wanted. You wanted you, that. You said probably a different feeling, but I don't know. It. I didn't even get the experiences, so I'm kind of like. All right, that's cool, but that that ain't my journey. I'm like, all right, that ain't that everybody got ain't, a journey. Yeah, that just ain't me. I guess that ain't me. So that go that happens, and right when I get when everybody when it pops up on the screen, whole house is screaming, whole house is screaming, mom's crying, and right when I get happy, then I'm like, all right, I'm back to work. Like now, now it's, it's next not level. enough. This it's is not the enough. last level. It's not enough for me to just get drafted because that's not that's not that's like a check a check mark off the thing, and that's kind of like. I guarantee a lot of guys feel that way where you like, man, I I made it. I made it. But it's like, it don't feel right. It feel like it's they, something else they didn't there. Have, they didn't have nice sleeping on auntie's couch. You know what I'm saying? They didn't have to, you know what I'm saying, really, really be down on a school lunch. Free lunch, kid? Free lunch, kid. <laughs> so, 
you made it. You, I mean, I, I've never, well, back then, I can imagine a billionaire calling me and saying, what's up? You're coming mm-hmm. to the team. That just has to be like, like wow. You know he's a billionaire because that's just all team owners are billionaires. So you got a billionaire call your phone and be like, yo, man, welcome to the fam. That's life changing. Then they pay you. Yeah. Third round pick. Then you buy the you buy your folks a house. How was that? Man, uh surreal. Surreal feeling. Uh just because you just when you do monumental things like that, it just takes you back. Like oftentimes when you're so deep in the journey, you don't really take the time to look back to see how far you come because you just focus on the next thing. You're like, all right, I did that, all right, what's next? All right, I did that, what's next? Then you do something that's real pivotal that shakes really shakes your whole world or shakes your family's world. And then you're like, man. I you, did that. You really you really making some, hey, hey, young fella, you really making some moves out here. Like, don't forget, so, don't so forget how did, to How did it feel yourself. to buy your parents that house? Uh, It was another opportunity to breathe. You got a chance to finally to see my mom just breathe and take a take a deep breath and just be like, all right, now we can focus on something else rather than, all right, how we about to work how we out this, stay. right, all that kind of stuff. But that was it was a real. I mean, I can only imagine how my mom felt, but for me, just seeing seeing her face and just seeing her smile and just her and my dad and just see how far we've come and because it would be t- it would be different if like we ain't talk about this stuff, but. Throughout the whole process, like I said, I grew, I'm a faith faith man. So a lot of times, in our toughest of times, you wouldn't even have known what we was going through at the time, just because you see our family, we light up a room, we laughing, joking, all that kind of stuff. You you would have never known, but it's like we never complained, we never we never felt like oh whoa it's me, oh why we gotta go through this. It's like nah, it's our journey, it's our journey. We just gonna see it through. You about to take us to our close. Because if people watching this right now, some are in prison, there's a lot at home. And they're going through stuff. Mm-hmm. And people don't know their journey. They don't know their testimony. And they're not sure that they belong as captain. They're not sure that they belong in the room. They're not sure of what's going to be tomorrow. If it's a place to stay or the wife's going to be as happy or whatever the scenario is. Everybody's mm-hmm. going through something. And from somebody who sounds like they're a professional, I'm saying, and with the hand of God on his back, and then been through and came through and still going. That's the best part. You ain't done going. What you going to say to them? I need you to give all the listeners, man, that, that hope and that journey, man, of how they can, like, press through. Because they think you got it easy. You're a multi-millionaire football player. You, you're, you're done. It's over. Mm-hmm. It's checked. You've always had it this good, and it's always going to be this good, and oh, I wish I had your fun. hand. And so Give them some encouragement. Let them know. Man, the biggest decision that I ever made was standing in my gifts. Uh, a lot of times I used to run from everything. No, 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 no. See, no, no. We missed this. I need you to not talk about them. I need you to talk to them. Oh, yeah. Quote. I'm getting there. No, no, I'm getting okay, there. No, okay. I'm getting there. Okay. Light the room up. Let me build. Let me build. Okay, yeah, I'm build, getting okay. there. Yeah. So, stand in it. Stand in it. Stand in it. Stand in it. Don't run from it. Well, I said this before, you don't get me hype. Stand in it, don't run from it. Be where your feet are. Understand that everybody has a starting point. But where you finish at and how your journey looks, it's on you. It's on you. It's on you. 
Everybody has everybody's dropped in certain everybody's starting point is different. Everybody's starting point is different. And wherever you make your way at from there, you gotta navigate the ups and the downs. There's gonna be trials, there's gonna be tribulations, there's gonna be moments where you think you ain't got it, there's gonna be moments where you think you ain't up for it, there's gonna be moments where you doubt yourself, it's gonna be moments where you look to your left and your right and the people, they ain't they doubting you as well. But at some point, you gotta stand on everything that you believe in, you gotta own up to whatever gifts that you have, act on it, act on it, don't hesitate, don't hesitate, believe that you're worthy of everything that's coming your way, understand, that there's always somebody watching you. There's always somebody's looking for it. You're in the middle of your testimony. And for you to have a testimony, you gotta go through a test. Sometimes a test, a test is, feels like it's unbearable, but be, me being a man of faith is, God don't put too much on you than you could bear. So best believe that you could hold that weight for sure. You could hold the weight, just see it through. You see it through, and man, I feel like I gotta say this. Go All right. So a lot of times you, you find yourself in situ situations where you're run, running from your calling. Uh, and lately, I would say that I've been, even like the past few years, been stepping in my calling. And it was a conscious decision. Like this was a decision that I literally sat in my car and I was like, all right, Jawan, I used to fight leadership. I was like, man, I hate leading stuff. Like I told you, I wanted to be the one that is able to do do what they got to do and leave. And I used to run from leadership. Anything that I did, I ended up being a leader of it. I didn't know why. And I was like, I just want to be a person in the room. And it's like, nah. God would just tell me every time, nah, nah. That ain't that ain't your journey. Your journey is you gonna lead because I got my hand on you. You want me to take your hand, my hand off. <laughs> so it's like, hey, you gonna stand in this? So I said, I was like, all right, what, what would happen if I actually just went through with it? If I actually just stood in what my calling was. And ever since I did that, ever since I stood on whatever I believed in, the leadership, and I owned up to it, and I was, I've been able to bless other people. I've been able to just be myself and kind of talk, talk freely and just spread my, like talk about my journey. Cause a lot of times I would say, uh, I didn't want to talk about my journey until I felt like I was done, which a journey is never done. It's always, it's always gonna be another piece to it. So it's like, man, how about in the process, you help somebody out by sharing with them your story and maybe you'll drag 10 people with you. Yeah. And then instead of it just being your story, somebody else coming to you and be like, man, when you said that, you really you really helped me out of a dark place. Cause I've been there. I've been there and I needed somebody to tell me their story and get me out of that spot. So man, I would say that even being able to talk to you uh, and having this moment is powerful. Anytime I get the opportunity to kind of share my, share my story it means a lot to me. Uh, everybody kind of see me. I'm a laughing, joking, because I I done seen what it's like to not to not have the uh, when it's not a, a lot of opportunities or a lot of things to smile and joke about. So it's like, man, if you're gonna be living this life, please live it with a happy face. <laughs> even even if sometimes you don't see much to smile about, understand that somebody always got it worse. <laughs> please understand that somebody always got it worse. And that's what my family kind of. We we stood up on, and I, w I would love to just one time just like my family has been my mom's coming off of Mother's Day has been a rock for my family for sure. Just everything she had to endure along with my dad. So I would just like say that I always appreciate your your parents and your upbringing, uh, and everybody that you would call a mom or somebody just just steered you in the right direction or just pulled you aside.
and be like, hey man, what you doing? Get over here. You supposed to. You supposed to be. You got this one goal. Get in let's the stay house. on. Let's stay on. Stay. Get in the house. <laughs> stay on that. So whoever that is, just appreciate them. Appreciate them and, and be that person for someone else too. I got one thing in closing. This is my poem. I didn't write it, but when I heard it, I said, "That's my poem." Talk to me. And something tells me you can have this too. You know I'm saying it came off TV, but you can have. It. We share this. Yeah. But if you claim this and say, "Yo, this is my official poem." Then I, I believe it. I believe this is gonna be your official poem after you hear it. And you heard it before. This when you usually press record. Hit record. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightening about you shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. It is not in some of us, it is in everyone. As we let our own light shine, we consciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fears, our presence automatically liberates others. I sent it to you. I'm taking that. (laughs) I sent it to you. Yeah, you might as well copy and paste that one. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, yo, Coach Carter. Yeah. You see Coach Carter? Yeah. In the gym? My granddad used to make me watch that all the time. You see the dude in the gym? Yeah. That's the poem from in the gym. Why do I remember that? When the dude, when they locked him all when out, he, locked, he, locked, he came yeah. back. They said, "Yo, they can't make us study. They can't make. They can lock, take the chains off. But we yeah. got to study." Then the Spanish boy stood up. That's what he dropped. I cried. And That's I've been loving that poem forever, but I never took the time to actually hold it and really put it down. And I, I meant it. I just never embraced it. Mm-hmm. I ran from it. Now I carry it with me. I want to send you a copy. It's impactful. So, ladies and gentlemen, it is your host. It is a youngin' from the DM, no, from Prince George County. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Mr. Bentley, soon to own one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but it's not even time. the wheels. Nah. You know what I'm saying? It's the heart. Until the next time, live, you know what I'm saying? From Gillette Stadium, hold it down. <laughs>